Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Well, Merry Christmas. We're in the Christmas season. It's an incredible time just to celebrate with family. And uh, I know, uh, as Dave mentioned earlier, sometimes this, this is a challenging time of year for some. Uh, I know it is for my wife. She lost both of her parents right now, this time of, of the year. And so, you know, it's, it, we reflect and we appreciate things, but we also, you know, it's, it's a challenge for some of us. And so uh, with that, though, one thing we know, Jesus Christ is Lord. He loves us and he cares about every one of us and he has a great plan for us. I, um, I want to do something before I get into my message this morning. And this allow me just to be a little bit outside my box, because I like to play out there sometimes. It just It's somewhat fulfilling for me, so I apologize for that. But David had mentioned uh, Santa Claus earlier, so it made me feel better about saying what I'm going to say, because I'm using the name Santa Claus. And what I'm going to do, this is just stuff that I had put together. You won't find it on the Internet. Or it could be out there, but... Uh, anyway, so this question came to me is, what Jesus wouldn't do if he was Santa Claus... And then what would he do if he was Santa Claus? Now, before you get your tinsel in a knot and wondering, like, well, Jesus and Santa Claus aren't the same person. They're not, okay? They're, we get that clear. We're, they're not. So what Jesus wouldn't do if he were Santa Claus? He wouldn't need a list, nor would he need to check it twice, since he is all-knowing. Good, right? Thanks. Good start so far? His sleigh would be a lot lighter because he wouldn't be carrying any coal. He would dump it all in Satan's toy box before he left. (laughs) He wouldn't go down the chimney. He would just stand at the door and knock. Somebody might get that one. He wouldn't be a make-believe character because he is real. And he would bring joy and the true meaning of Christmas to every heart. Now, What would Jesus do if he were Santa Claus? He would have angels leading the way instead of reindeer, and Gabriel would lead with his halo so bright. He would get the packages delivered a lot sooner because he wouldn't have Mrs. Claus talking in his headset all night. (laughs) Nothing against the wives. (laughs) He would make sure that moms and dads would get really cool gifts too, and not just the kids, because he cares about all of us. And then the last but not least, something that would be beneficial to all of us. While he was flying over Washington, D.C., he would cut government spending and reduce the U.S. national debt. (laughs) So thank you for letting me get outside my box a little bit. My wife didn't know about this, because if I would have asked her, she would have said, no. (laughs) All right. So this morning, the title of my message is, The Moment That Changed the World. David mentioned about a world changer. So fitting. I want to start with a story. Mrs. Thompson stood in front of her fifth grade class. It was first day of school. And she looked over her class and she said, welcome all of you kids. You guys are all amazing. I love you all the same. I just 
think you guys are great. But then she looked around the room and saw little Teddy sitting in his chair slumped. And uh, he didn't look very happy. He didn't look very good. So she realized, hmm, maybe I don't love them all the same. So one of the things that Mrs. Thompson had to do prior to school, starting each year, was to go back and review all of the things that the teachers over the previous years had noted about the students. And she had saved Teddy's till last. And she began to look through it. And as she read through, she started with the first grade teacher. And this is what Teddy's first grade teacher wrote. Teddy is a bright child and loves to laugh. He does his work neatly and has good manners. He is a joy to be around. She went to the second grade teacher and what the teacher wrote. Teddy is an excellent student, well-liked by his classmates, but he's troubled because his mother has a terminal illness and life at home has been a struggle. Third grade teacher wrote this, his mother's death has been hard on him. He tries to do his best, but his father doesn't show much interest, and his home life will soon affect him if some steps aren't taken. Teddy's fourth grade teacher wrote this, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends, and he sometimes sleeps in class. By now, Mrs. Thompson has a better picture, and she realizes the problem. As Christmas season approaches, all the kids bring Christmas gifts to their teacher. They're all wrapped very pretty, pretty paper, nice bow, nice ribbon, except for Teddy's, was just wrapped in a brown paper bag from the grocery store. She decided to open his in the middle of opening and not save it till last, but just open it right in the middle of, of everybody because she wanted to make him feel included in the process. And she opened the brown paper bag, and inside was an old bracelet that had a bunch of rhinestones that were missing and a quarter bottle of some perfume. The kids laughed. Other kids laughed and thought it was funny. But she silenced the laughter by taking the bracelet and putting it on and taking the perfume and dabbed it on her wrists. When class was over, Teddy rushed up to the teacher's desk, said, thank you. You smell just like my mom. Thank you so much. The rest of this, the year, Mrs. Thompson put a lot of effort into Teddy, saw that he was an incredible kid. He became one of the smartest kids in the class. He, be, he did all of his work. He, he, he sat up straight. He, he just thoroughly enjoyed his time because Mrs. Thompson was making sure that he was going to have a successful life. The next year, Teddy finished the sixth grade, and he stops by her room and slips a note under her door. Mrs. Thompson, thank you so much for encouraging me. Thank you so much for caring for me. You are my most favorite teacher. Six years later, he writes another note to Mrs. Thompson. Mrs. Thompson, 
I've just graduated high school. I finished third in, in all of the students, graduate students. I'm doing great. I'm having some challenges, but I'm doing great. By the way, you are my most favorite teacher ever. Four years later, she gets another note from Teddy. Just want you to know, I'm graduating from college with honors. You are my most favorite teacher ever. A few more years go by, she gets another note. Mrs. Thompson, it's been a challenge, but I'm pursuing something that I wanted to pursue because you believed in me. You are my most favorite teacher ever, signed in his name, and then it said MD after, so he became a doctor. Later that spring, another letter, a note that says, Mrs. Thompson, I found the woman of my dreams. I want to marry her. My dad died a couple years ago. You, obviously, you know my mom passed several years ago. But if you wouldn't mind, would you please come and sit where my mom would have sat? It would be an honor. Mrs. Thompson shows up at the wedding and sits there. And you know, she was wearing the rhinestone bracelet and had the perfume on. After the wedding, they embraced. Teddy said, thank you so much. You meant so much to me. Thank you for being here. You'll never know how much I appreciated this. You, you changed my life. She said, no, Teddy. You changed my life. I went from teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic to actually teaching children, teaching what it is to pay attention to the lives of everyone in my class. And not just making sure they learned the subject, but really knowing my children. You changed my life, Teddy. You think about that. For the two of them, the moment that Mrs. Thompson put on the bracelet and put on the perfume changed both of their lives. We never know. We never know the moment, what it is. But one thing we do know, when we look back in history, at the moment that changed the world, is when Jesus Christ was introduced to us here. Made a difference, didn't it? It made a big difference. I'm thinking about King David, man after God's heart, the Bible says. 27 generations later, Through his lineage comes the man from God's heart. He's born to a woman that we know as Mary. And, you know, Mary's husband had the blessing, Joseph, later, of raising Jesus. Do you know where Joseph came from, what his lineage was? Anybody ever heard of Rahab the prostitute? Joseph would have never been around if it wasn't for Rahab the prostitute. How about Bathsheba, who had committed adultery with the man after God's heart? We think about all of these things, and the reality is God certainly didn't condone the behavior of King David. He paid dearly for that. But it didn't change the plan and the idea and the the fact that 
Jesus was going to be come into this earth, come on this earth, and there was going to be messed up people in in his lineage in his life, but it didn't matter. In fact, that was better for him in the sense of saying, we can take anything, we can take whatever the circumstances, and God can create something amazing out of that. Whatever it is, whatever your mess is, God just breathes on that, and he takes it, and he turns it into a masterpiece. Joseph had a messed up family tree, but he was the one given charge to raise Jesus. God was obviously very comfortable with Joseph in the process, who was the descendant of these two women I mentioned, to be the earthly father of Jesus. Grace covers. Grace covers. You know, that, that's what the message Jesus wanted to bring. When he came to this earth, he literally rocked the world by bringing a mindset change because the old mindset was so different. I think John 1.17 sums it up perfectly. It says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We have to breathe that in. We do. The grace. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your truth, because he set us on this path. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 and 13, this is the prophet Nathan. He was talking to David, who we were referring to earlier. It says, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Who are we talking about here? This was 700 years, a prophecy, prophetic word that was going to come to pass. Isaiah 7, 14, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and oh yeah, don't forget, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. We learned that last week. Just the peace of God that passes all understanding. We don't understand it. We we can't fathom the peace that he brings to us. Prince of Peace. In Luke, we read the story of how this whole thing goes down with the angel Gabriel and his conversation with Mary, which would be crazy when you think about it. Uh, just an amazing story. Right prior to that, we kind of have the New Testament version of Abraham and Sarah. A lot of us know the story of that, and they were really old people. I, mean, I don't want to say that. I'm old, but they were a lot older than me. They were beyond the childbearing years, right? And so... A miracle happened with them. Well, here we have the New Testament version of of that. There was a priest named Zacharias 
And uh, his wife's name was Elizabeth, and they were old people. Beyond childbearing years, they didn't have any kids. And while he was performing one of his priestly duties, the angel visited him, and Gabriel came and said that his wife was going to get pregnant, have a son. There was a little doubt, <laughs> a little doubt. Zachariah's like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, how is this going to happen? Uh, I'm old, and my wife is well into her years as well. Probably didn't want to say my wife's old, but just kind of putting it there. <laughs> yeah, but because of his little bit of doubt, it's interesting <laughs> that Gabriel told him, he said, since you didn't really believe, you're going to be not able to speak until your child is born. You won't have any words. His wife may have been happy, but... <laughs> So what does he do? He goes home, and what can he do? So he decides that charades is going to work, right? Because he's doing charades. He can't talk. So he goes home to his wife, and he's like, me? Yeah. So he's trying to think, how in the world am I going to do this to tell her that we're going to have a baby? (laughs) He's like, You're calling me fat? <laughs> Could you imagine how this is going? He's trying, to, trying to explain to her that somehow to communicate without using words that they're going to have a baby together. <laughs> well, guess what? Soon after, she gets pregnant. She was excited. The Bible says she was excited. So you go into this and brings us to Luke chapter 1, and starting in verse 26. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David, which we talked about. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. I want to stop here. Oh, it said, the Lord is with you. Let's stop here because Mary was not royalty. She didn't understand favor and blessing. So immediately, she's called favored. I think that threw her off a little bit in understanding that. Verse 29 says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Me? Favored? Me blessed? No, you got the wrong woman. That's, that's not who I am. He called her out, favored woman. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth 
has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. That's for somebody here today. His word has been spoken to you, and you need to know it won't fail. It's it's what he's speaking here. What God says will not fail. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Wow, she bought in pretty quick. It's amazing what some words of affirmation will do. You think back to Mrs. Thompson and Teddy. Just some words of affirmation can change somebody's whole thought process. Somebody gives you affirmation. Somebody comes, and God comes to you and says, you are favored. And you go, not me. I messed up. He goes, no, you're favored, and I'm going to use you. I want to bless you. And that's God's heart for every one of us today. Mary was a humble woman, and she contained a heart to receive the greatest endorsement ever in the history of the world, really. You're going to trust me to birth the Savior of the world? That's a ringing endorsement, isn't it? But I tell you, in your own way of where, whatever you're called to do, God's trusted you to do the same. Whatever he's put in your life to accomplish He's equipped you for that, and he's spoken to you favor over that situation. And he's telling you his word will not fail in your life. I think about Mary while Jesus was walking the earth and everything. I I can't imagine her ever needing a letter of recommendation for anything. (laughs) I mean, mean, favor just followed her. It was incredible what had happened to this young woman. Understand that God speaks the same favor over our lives. The same favor he spoke over her. You have to receive that today. You have to believe what he says is true. Yes, Lord, whatever you say to me, let it come to pass. Whatever you're speaking, Lord, in my life. Lord, you've tapped me on the shoulder. Lord, you've spoken to my heart. Lord, you're reviving me. Lord, you're bringing me back to that place where I need to sit in your presence and say, yes, Lord, whatever you say. I want to respond to that. Let it come to pass. So Mary ends up giving birth to the Son of God. Incredible to think about that. The Savior of the world. The moment that changed the world. Can you imagine being there at that moment? There was no fanfare There wasn't all the hospital doctors, all the things, and the media, and the press coverage, and all the, there wasn't any of that. God did it his way. Because you think, well, something like that, you know, in a little manger, in a stable somewhere, that's not going to get the attention God needs it to get. Want to bet? We're here today. (laughs) You know, we're 2,000, over 2,000 years later, we're experiencing the outflow, the overflow of the birth of Christ. From pretty lame family tree, if you look through Joseph's life, 
You're going, how'd that happen? That's because God's God, and we're not. We like to do a lot of judging, don't we? <laughs> it's not our place. Because if honestly, if you were the one selecting the bloodline through this, you wouldn't have selected it to go through Rahab and Bathsheba and David and all these people that were messing up. You would have said, ah, we're going to make this perfect and right. But God's come to take what's not perfect and not right. And he works in it to make it that we're redemptive. And we're, we're here today because of the grace of God, because of his forgiveness, because of his love that we are here today. The moment that changed the world. I think about that. What is your moment? When did you realize that Jesus wasn't just a cuss word used when you're mad? When did you realize that there was more to him than that, that he became your everything? Or, or maybe you haven't realized that yet. And maybe today is your day for that because he's here today and he's speaking to us today. God loves us in spite of all of our failures and our flaws and all of our sin. We're messed up, but he's told us that he loves us unconditionally. I would say for some of us here today, we could make this our moment right now. This could be your moment that you experience the power of what happened when Jesus was born. Your encounter today, something that was prepared for you over 2,000 years ago, guess what? You were already on God's thought process, which is, blows my mind to think that. We're here to encounter his mercy, his grace, and his love today. I will ask if you guys would stand with me. today and you're saying, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I'm finding myself in a challenge. I'm, I'm not really sure the direction that I'm going. And I've, I've kind of been in this push-pull thing. And I've I felt like some people tell me to do one thing and other people tell me to do something else. And I, I'm in this battle back and forth. But this morning, I, I'm here and I'm listening to what you're saying and about the power of Jesus and the power that that moment changed and that I need to be a part of that. I need to commit to that. Maybe you, you've never experienced it or maybe you have and you just kind of got lost in your way, but Jesus is here today to say, arms out, I love you. Come on, come to me, come to me. Bible says, come to me all that are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. There's a peace that comes. I want to pray for you this morning if that's you. Lord, right now I, I pray just sense that there are people here today that they're either dealing with some confusion or uncertainty or decision making or feel like maybe they, are, they let you down or all of these things, but God, you come to confirm and affirm today 
to each person here that you are favored of the Lord and he has a plan and a purpose. Yet we have an enemy that likes to try to steal, kill, and destroy, but he's been defeated. Defeated at the cross. And today we're here to enforce that, to reinforce that. So I pray for each person here today that's in a place of decision-making. You would give them the right words conversation with you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we sing this song, I would like to ask you to do one more thing. If you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Steve, I'm feeling like, yeah, I'm, I'm, what you're saying makes sense to me, and I, I, I want to let God know that I mean business, and I'm serious about what he wants for my life. I just ask you to come and Join me up here. I'd just love to pray for you this morning as we sing this song. Just come and fill up this area up here in the front. And I know God's going to touch your heart. He's going to touch you. So just respond to him this morning. If he's telling you that, then you need to do it. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 